Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us this week, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree. This is the Financial Hour, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Uh, well, that's Joe Walsh when he became Joe Walsh. Uh, before that, he was the James Gang. I just sent you another song that you could play it if you wanted to, just while we're talking here. Uh, pot that one down and play that one. But the, the point is, Joe Walsh has always had this signature sound, even when it was the James Gang. And where it made an impression on me was when I was 14 years old in Corinth, Mississippi. Uh, my buddy Jody Hamrick had gotten into him and uh, and this song is from a much earlier album called Funk Number 49 but he's got this song the thing it's like he's singing through a wah pedal or something it's he's got this ephemeral way he does with his I think his vocals are as good as his guitar playing they're as distinctive I'm not saying he's a great singer but He's a true talent in the sense of creating a sound. Yeah. The other thing is, if you listen to the the timing on the songs and how they time the chords, very unique. That's that's part of his sound too. I mean, you could listen. listen he's got pedal steel on this one. Yeah. That that's not him. I mean, he's a he might. I don't know if he was playing the pedals. Probably not. Somebody was. But the point is his sound. Yeah. Actually, I saw him play the pedal still for the Eagles. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember what song it was, but he, he played that on one song. Well, this 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 album came out in probably 1970 or 71. The other one was from The Player You Get, You Smoke or You Drink. That's probably 76 or something. Yeah. But the point is, is that it's a sound that's never going to go away. And at the time... He wasn't anywhere in a league with the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or anybody like that. Over time, he's gotten there. Yeah. And, you know, he's like the American version of Rod Stewart. Not quite, because Rod Stewart's <laughs> different. but And it's a different type of rock and roll. Raspy, Joe Cocker sounding in a way, but... You know, Joe Joe Walsh has just got this dreamy sound to a lot of his music. I mean, it it's it's just what it is. It, it has a, a just a happy feeling to it. Even some of his darker songs, yeah, it has that kind of almost a happier tone to it. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about business, uh, sort of. Um, <laughs> Exxon and Chevron profits are booming, as if oil was. $145 a barrel. Okay, well, in a sense it is. Here's why. They you know, they figured out how to not drill dry holes. That's one thing. A lot of the imaging stuff is better than it used to ever be. Geo imaging or whatever they call it. They also figured out how to get more oil out of a well by going directional. So when they drill an oil well now, it used to just be straight up and down. And you either hit the formation or you don't. Now it's down and out, and it's out in different directions. 
So it it's more like a spider web. It's like they go down and then they might go out this way and that way. And each time they're going out, they're puncturing a formation where there's some oil. So it's called horizontal drilling. It's also called fracking. The left hates it because it makes us more energy uh, efficient. They say it's got environmental problems. They just don't like the oil industry. I like the oil industry. It's tough to invest in it because the, the, the uh, prices of the things get jacked around by oil prices on a daily basis. It's tough to invest in, you know, but we're seeing, I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of things, but we had overinvestment in oil in the early part of this decade. Uh, well, the last decade, um, the, 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 teens the 2010s and it became really worse as you went through say 2014 you know you had a big drop and then finally in 2020 oil really hit zero and then it's come back since then now we kind of have a belief that you go through cycles of overinvestment and then a lot of people go bankrupt Money gets, uh, capital gets destroyed. And then you have a period of underinvestment. And we're still in underinvestment in oil. We're still in underinvestment in E&P. We're in underinvestment in refining. I don't know. I think we're somewhat fully invested or well invested in the midstream, the pipelines. But you, we could have more, they tell us, <coughs> You know, but it's not as critical as what you see in some of the other areas, especially refining. Right. I thought the numbers, so we're, we're in earnings season right now. And one of the oil companies that we have in our clients' portfolios reported, and the free cash flow, I, I just, I, so for the quarter, the free cash flow of this company was $4.2 billion. Now, they also had shareholder returns of six point six billion. So coming into the year, they had a, a almost eighteen billion as a cash balance, free cash flow of four point two billion, paid dividends of two point nine billion, and then they repurchased shares three point eight billion. On how big of a market cap? Uh, off the top of my head. Hang on, I'll tell you. Which one are you talking about? What's the company? The big one. So starts with a C. Yeah. So their their market cap's probably close to two hundred billion. Three hundred and eighteen. Okay. Well, that's sort of good, but you look at how big the market cap is that you're dealing with. But I mean, you ought to be dealing in bigger numbers, which is fine. But you know, when you're looking at the dividends, though. But 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 they increase the dividend. Six uh, percent um, higher capex, which was within budget, share repurchases. Mm-hmm. Um, so these we've talked about it before. The the, the spe- dividend kind, the di- <laughs> the growing kind. Growing yeah, kind. Ah. <laughs> um, oil companies, um, all companies, they deploy capital. They're now called energy companies. Energy get companies. Your, your I know. Yeah, right. I know. In these energy companies. Um, 
they deploy capital just like any company does. But with a, an energy company, an oil company, they're looking out 15, 20 years down the line because, you know, if they drill a well today, that's a long-term investment. Right. Um, and so what they've done over the last six to 10 years, they've become more conservative uh, in their projections. They've, they've, like you said, they've reduced costs, brought down the break-even on the exploration. And they production put a costs. higher hurdle rate on their capital returns. Anything exactly. won't do. you got to only invest in the stuff that's got the potential for higher returns. Exactly. And so, therefore, they're going to be sparing about how they deploy capital. And they're not just going to go drill on anything and everything. Right. And, and you know, and that's made the current administration upset because they said, wow, you know, you're just trying to keep oil off the market and make us look bad. They all only think in terms of politics. Yeah. These guys are thinking about running a business. Yep. This was impressive as all get out. So on just on the earnings side, um, so first quarter earnings versus first quarter of last year, uh, earnings were up 200 million despite a 20% drop in oil prices over that time. Because remember, this is an integrated oil company. So they're downstream, the refining part of the business, their, their margins improved. You know, they had a, a, about a billion eight, uh, in revenue or in the earnings from the downstream side of things. So the upstream was slightly lower, but it's it's sort of this natural hedge just in their business model, right. the, the exploration me, and refining. All right. So the oil, as you might say, why are you talking about an oil company? Why aren't you talking about a tech company or something? There's a, We have a case, well, we have a thesis that causes us to be interested in energy. It's a contrarian tilt of mind that we don't employ that on everything. We own some stocks that are cool stocks to own like Airbnb and, you know, techie kind of things. KLA, which kicked butt the other day, uh, you know, um, uh, different type. We don't, it's not just energy, but the thesis with the energy is that when you have this prevailing orthodoxy, which is ESG, it's green movement, it's all this stuff, it's this sort of consensus among investors that fossil fuels are going away. But then you start looking at the evidence that says that's not going to happen. Sometimes you find that there's an interesting investment wrinkle sitting right in front of your nose that the thing that they're saying is not what you need to be involved in because all the big funds and people are saying shun fossil fuel investments, all the big endowments, stay out of it. Don't buy it. That's when you look at buying it. And consequently, don't expect the price to double overnight because you're not going to have that many buyers to where you get stupid buying. But expect the internal earnings to, to do well. You're going to get special dividends because if they can't make you a return on share appreciation, they're going to have to give it to you in the form of dividends. That is a grinded out type of investment in this day and age. That's not an investment where you're going to wake up like you did with uh, Chipotle 
<laughs> and uh, Mike says, well, that's the fourth time I missed it. Yep. And uh, where, okay, <laughs> burritos. Does that mean there's going to be a fifth, Mike? I don't know. I mean, they just, they, it's like they I think throw. you ought to go on in there and buy some. It's over 2000 It's a nice round number now, $2,050 yeah. a share. You know, why not? You can well, buy a share for times each of you. Buy, now. buy one a, for each yeah, of your kids, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's anyway, gone up. It's Chipotle's gone up like 30% or 15 or 20% in the last week. We always kept looking, God, it sure looks expensive. It got a lot expensiver. But anyway, the, 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 expensive. The, 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 yeah, more, more expensive. The thing is, it, you're not going to get that from an oil company. I mean, you know, that, that is valuing. Let's just talk about Chipotle one second. The market is valuing each store at almost $18 million. So you go over here on North Limestone out, out there on UK's campus. It's probably a, 1100 square foot store. I don't know how many sales they do. You know, they probably do two or 3 million a year. The market's putting a 17, almost an $18 million valuation on that store because it's one of however many they, what do they have? 33,000 stores. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's not an oil company. An oil company is going to be a little bit like, also, what's going on with tobacco companies these days? Producing oodles and oodles of cash flow and not getting a very high valuation for it. In fact, you know, what you're going to see, the only way you're going to get superior returns over time, you'll probably get a return that'll go along with inflation and you'll get big dividends every now and then. So special dividends. They'll have to declare. They've got to do something, or they'll do share buybacks. That's our investment thesis, is it's not considered a, a, a politically correct, with-it type thing to invest in. But if you think for one minute that we're going to have electric everything by 2030 or 40 or even 50 or 60, you're crazy. We're going to be driving diesel trucks for the next 50 years. Get used to it. You know, you, you can't make the uh, electrical infrastructure just appear overnight or in the next 25 years. Especially when nobody wants to spend any money on creating it. Everybody's pointing to the next guy or gal to pay for it. And it's going to be massively expensive, and it's going to take a lot of years to build out the infrastructure the way they need it to support. But where electric. can a shareholder get a return on it? I mean, that's the question. Well, that's why you they have spent greatly the money increased. I mean, your electric bill is going to go up by four times if if somebody's going to. You'll be paying a eight hundred bucks a month for electricity in your house. We're going to replace grass in every part of the country with solar panels. That's how we're going to get it done. <laughs> Back on the Chipotle ver. Let's look at Chipotle versus. Can't get it off. No, no, no. This is. It, I like this. Though. He's hungry now. Yeah. All right. Chipotle has a fifty. A, he was saying the other day fifty-five billion dollars for burritos. For burritos. Well, no, it's actually bowls now. Yeah, but no, the PE ratio on Chipotle is sixty-five, a little over sixty-five. Yeah. You look at the oil majors, Chevron, Exxon. Chevron has a PE of nine point two. 
price earnings ratio. So that means it's way cheaper in relationship to its earnings. If it was priced where Chipotle was, it'd be about a $5 trillion company. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and so you take, you take a growth stock like Chipotle, one of two things are going to happen. You know, you have to have multiple. I can't exp- believe we're sitting here talking about a burrito company. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Hey, we, there's been nuttier things. Um, if <laughs> if you want the stock price to go, you say you buy a Chipotle stock today. It has a 65 PE. You're hoping for multiple expansion <laughs> that somebody's willing to pay 75 oh, times yeah. earnings, otherwise known as or, the greater fool theory. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Musical that their chair. earnings catch up to it. Right. There, there's a lot of what ifs on that. Right. That you, this has to happen. This, this, this. And, um, with a company that's producing all this cash flow um, at nine times earnings, there's they're already doing this, and, and the market's not pricing it for beyond perfection. That's right. And, and a company like Chevron's been around a lot longer. They've made their mistakes and figured out how to run things and, and create. You don't know what could happen to Chipotle again. I mean, they had that E. coli thing, what, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, that was my first miss. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me again. They had more than one incident with E. coli. (laughs) Well, somebody said they wondered if somebody didn't actually do it intentionally kind of thing to get the stock priced out because they were or was a disgruntled worker or something. Yeah. But the point is these things will come up every now and then. And you'll have these things that are these opportunities. You know, certainly uh, when the BP had the uh, oil spill in the Gulf, you had that. I don't know that BP's really come back much, has it? Where's the stock now? Still around 32 or 35? It went up with the uh, price of oil here in the last year or two. It's at 40 See, that really isn't much of a return, though, over the – the point is you're not you're going to get it from the dividends. Right. But yes, that's where you're going to get it. So nobody's going to pay up for these things maybe for a long time. And you could say, "Well, why aren't you investing in stuff that's going to explode to the upside?" Because it can also explode to the downside. Yeah, it can just explode. Did, yeah, or just melt. First Republic Bank, FRC, go check that one. Yeah. Or Signature Bank or Silicon Valley yeah, Bank. Any of those. But also our clients uh, our, the word, uh, right word would be implode. That's right. Yeah. Um, but our, our clients, a lot of them are taking distributions. They're living yeah. on this. And with a company that's returning, you know, paying dividends that has for a long period of time, you're not entirely banking on price appreciation. And, 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 and the business model has been proven. We don't know. I mean, Chipotle's been around, what, 15 years? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it. Well, they yeah. were spun off from McDonald's, I think. They were. Correct. Yeah. That, it's I a, bet McDonald's it's, regrets that. Well, they might have kept some of the stock. Yeah. Who knows? But the, the point is, it's a business model, but restaurants can come and go. You know, there's a lot of places to get burritos. Qdoba. Moe's. <laughs> Poppies. Girls, 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 burritos. Burritos as big as your head. Yeah. (laughs) All right. The local taco. Nothing that you've heard on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell. Please consult a professional. Got to throw that in there. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. We'll be back with the second half of the Financial Hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. 
My name is Tom Dupree. Rarely in my time in the investment business have I seen the kind of opportunity I see today. I'm talking about interest rates, which I believe will be going significantly lower in the next 18 months. I believe it's time to lock in longer-term rates now. Short-term rates on money market funds, bank accounts, and CDs can drop dramatically when rates begin to decline. Don't be lulled into complacency. It's time to invest to establish your yields for the long haul. At Dupree Financial Group, we specialize in retirement investing. Let us help you by calling 859-233-0400 and setting up a complimentary meeting with us to examine your investment portfolio. Listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this song is sort of a Joe Walsh, I'm Still Alive song. And uh, Are you an analog man, Tom? I don't know. You would know better than I would. But the, the point is... You know, is he, he made, Elizabeth, is he an analog man? I don't know. I might be his 10-year-old smartass. <laughs> I, <don't Yeah>. <laughs> I would think there's some merit to that one. But uh, anyway. I said it so you didn't have to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Joe Walsh and Ringo Starr have a relationship in that they are, I believe, married to sisters. Correct. And uh, the Bach sisters. Yes. Barbara Bach and. Uh, Barbara's so, married to Ringo. I don't, what's the yeah. other sister's name, Mike? I put you on the spot. Off the top of my head. All right. So I'm going to send you another song. Neither one of them is out of the picture. And I'm, I think Ringo's older than Joe Walsh. Yes. So this song, they keep putting out songs. And um, 
Ringo put out this song like two summers ago. And um, this is a great song. I, I don't know. Something about it I just love. I was up. Well, let's just say I was on the road somewhere. Got off at a fruit stand. It was a blustery morning. I'm, I'm eating a peach. And then I hear this thing come across the, the, the sound system of the little fruit stand. And they had this Jamaican guy working there. It was in upstate New York. And uh, so I, I got out my trusty Shazam. And it had just come out uh, by Ringo. This is Ringo Starr, 80 years old. the dj out of me for this half hour he he was also in a band called the best who was that joe walsh when was that uh in the, in 1990 uh, they never had an album come out uh but it was uh keith emerson of emerson lake and palmer john entwistle um of walsh who? uh jeff skunk baxter from yeah, steely dan and doobie brothers he's good yep. uh, he's also a Jeff Skunk Baxter is also an expert on national defense. He has briefed government agencies. He is like uber brilliant and has studied missile technology and all this stuff. I never heard about that band. Did they just go on concert tour? Yeah, apparently they they did a European tour and then they they couldn't stand each other, so they broke up. Something like that. (laughs) So it was Ringo in that. No, he wasn't. I, I, I was, that's what I was wonder looking why John Entwistle did it. I don't know. Is he still alive? I don't know. I think, I think he so died. Late. No, I think he died. I'm almost certain he, he died. Okay, selling May and go away. He did die. Not a good idea. Uh, that's been a thing that people say. Oh, you know, don't even hold on to something through the summer. Not true if it's paying dividends. Because last I looked, they still pay dividends during the summer. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is that if you're just buying for a pop and you hope you're going to get lucky, they're saying that May is not a good time to get lucky. But that's not what we do. So tell me why that's wrong. No, that's not wrong. Uh, oh, the selling May and go away is wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, get your wrongs right. Wrongs right. Right. Um, so no, wh- where this came about initially was probably from what they speculate is when we were more of an industrialized economy, uh, and you had factories that were shutting down and different things, but they did a study going back, uh, 20 years, um, and the average return of the S and P 500 over those three months, you only had three years, 2008, 2011, and 2022 that had negative returns from May through October. So only three years out of that 20, you had negative returns. Uh, But the average return, this is of the S&P 500 from May to October, was slightly over 4%. Okay. Um, 
Now, what we're talking about here is people that try to time the market. You know, the the selling may and go away. I don't know of anybody. I mean, everybody, most people have heard of that, but I don't know of anybody that's actually acted on it. I've been asked that question, you know, hey, I've heard about this. What do you think about it? Um, but there's always other factors that are coming into play. Uh, Chad, you had an article, and it goes right along with this. It was a Bloomberg article uh, talking about investment themes over the past, I think they go back 30 years, um, and different events that have happened in the markets. You know, just to read some of these in 94, uh, Fed rate hikes and bond market route, 95, Fed cycle ends, uh, 96, the emergence of internet stocks, irrational exuberance, 97, Asian currency crisis, 98, long-term capital. You had every year you have something that's going on in the market. Um, and a lot of times <coughs> that something is the perception is bad. Um, you'll have something that's going on politically, economically, something that causes worry um, and could potentially end up bad, badly for the market. And that's what we're talking about. The, the market um, always has something that could potentially go wrong with it. But remember what we're investing. We're investing in companies. These companies are doing business in, be it oil, energy. Uh, they're selling uh, a service or a product could be insurance. It could be a number of different, they could be burritos, <laughs> uh, whatever it may be. Um, they're navigating what's going on with the consumer, what's going on in the economy, what's going on politically. <clears throat> and if you have some of these companies that have been around for decades and decades that have been doing this, companies are resilient. Uh, they can be very creative on how they navigate those uh, market conditions because um, what are they trying to do? They're trying to generate a profit. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. They're allocating capital into the most efficient use. Well, it you mentioned that they're navigating the political, the economic, uh, the different environments. And other thing is uh, companies are perpetual. So they're not supposed to be they're not comp companies don't have a life cycle. They their don't have a maturity have a life day. They don't cycle. have a exactly. maturity day. So they're managing for the long term. Yeah. And what uh, I think this is a good time to talk about how we look at these companies. I mean, we do invest in companies, we do our own research. We are looking for value, but not value in the sense of hey, it's a it's something bad that's on sale. We're looking at a company that is in a good business that has good management and they're capable of creating value for the shareholders, albeit it could be in the form of capital appreciation or, ca or returning cash to investors. I mean, Tom mentioned the tobacco company stocks. They're generating just prodigious amounts of cash flow, and they're returning it to the shareholders. So that is a way you get your money back quickly, and you get extra from it. And once you get your original purchase price paid back, you can invest the dividends in something else, and you still have a cash flow stream coming from to you from the uh, tobacco stocks once that's done. I mean, we're looking at it from all angles, trying to find companies that can create value for the shareholders. I'll give you another one. Uh, cell phone companies. And I mean, there's really three players and one of them's got a really elevated PE. Uh, and the other two are kind of the incumbent ones. 
And there's one of those, the one that's got two symbols in it, two two letters in its symbol rather than one that we we like a little bit here. Now, okay, I lived through the time in the business, which was about 20-plus years ago, when the cell phone companies were building out their networks. And as they built out their networks, they were absorbing a prodigious amount of capital. And, you know, they were not getting the return yet off of their networks. They were borrowing a lot of money, and they still have a lot of money borrowed. But what's happened is that their networks, these cell phone networks, are kind of 85 to 90% built out, and they, of course, have to expand around the margins and, you know, they have to do CapEx to upgrade equipment from 4X to 5 or 4G to 5G and things of that nature. <clears throat> but for the most part, the, the, the thing's built. Now, what does that mean? That means that they have, if you think about it, a significant moat around their business. Who's going to go out today and start, let's say, oh, I think I'll grow up and start a new car company well if you're elon musk maybe who goes out and says i'm going to start a new cell phone carrier you know that kind of exists that would be like a kid saying i think i'll go out and invent new interstate highways you know or uh i will invent a new kind of pants you know uh or a new kind of milk. Well, now there's actually that's wrong because there are about sixteen different kinds of milk now. You're not supposed to call them that. You're supposed to call them beverages. But the the because the, <laughs> the milk producer council said you can't call them milk. So like coconut milk, you have to call it coconut beverage. But anyway, the point the point is is that there are certain things that's going to be really tough to go invent a new one. Cell phone carriers. That's one of them. Now. I will tell you this. I think most people, and this includes me, will get rid of their car rather than get rid of their cell phone. And here's why. Because you got Uber, you can kind of drive places without having a car. Or you could walk or ride the bus or take a bike or something. But the point is, there's a lot of things that we consider necessities. But the modern American person, contemporary American person, is is wedded to his or her cell phone. What does that mean? By hook or crook, they're going to, you know, pay their cell phone bill, get it paid, keep their subscription. And the cell phone companies are selling space on their towers. That's basically free money now because the thing's been built. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a good deal for them going forward. Well, you've got also back to the theme of the article about selling in May and going away uh, not being a good idea, Tom. You pointed out that these companies still pay dividends even in May and July and so on. Uh, these companies, when we're talking about buying companies that have create val- or 
are capable, have created, will create value for shareholders. They're going to do it regardless of the circumstances, whether it's summer or winter, whether they're loved or unloved, they're still going to go out and execute their business. And that's what we're interested in owning is companies that can consistently do it. Uh, so uh, when you have cell phone companies, the the reason I think people are down on them is because they're not going to grow. Everybody wants growth and uh, the market is saturated, but they're still going to generate a ton of free cash flow. They are going to have some higher expenses because the technology keeps changing and they've got to spend money on it, but they're still going to make money. So when you're <clears throat> listening to uh, radio, watching TV, you know, you have noise. Uh, noise is that the constant uh Good news or bad news? Typically bad news. Right now, it's always bad news. You know, the noise right now is de-dollarization, inflation, interest rates, recession, gold. Fiscal uh, cliff. Fiscal cliff. All these things, it's just, it's it's constant bombardment of bad news. Um, now, I, I, what, what are you laughing at? I don't know. You try not to laugh at stuff, and it's like you're trying to be real serious. But you ought to just laugh. No, I know you're trying to make a point. I'm, I'm trying sorry. to make a point. I'm acting yes, like I'm... a child trying to get the like the trying to get the adult to laugh or something. I'm that's me. That's what I do. Go ahead. Go on. Go on. Make your point. I don't even remember what I was going to go with now. <laughs> debt ceiling. No, no, no. Debt ceiling. No. Um, De- debt ceiling. Debt ceiling. Here's here, this is where I was going to go. Fiscal cliff. Uh, fiscal cliff. Gold. <laughs> we've been asked this a lot lately. What are, what's your thoughts on gold? Uh, because we're all, uh, this is what they say. All I hear is gold, this gold, buy gold, buy right. gold. Um, and how long have you been hearing it? How many years have you been, you, you've been working here for 17 years. Oh yeah. You've how heard it every year. Alive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I point out to them, what were you hearing a year and a half ago? It wasn't, Hey, buy gold, buy gold. It was buy Bitcoin, 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 cryptocurrency <laughs> is all that. So it's, it's Bitcoin, by the way, has had a nice rally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gone from what? Did it get down to 16,000? Right around now there. up to 28. That's yeah. been a huge rally. Yeah. This is with several companies that uh, are advocates of it failing. Failing. Uh, going, going under. Going, yeah. going yeah. under. The currency's going up. So anytime you're having you know, a good market, you're going to have things like cryptocurrency. You know, it's a mania. NFTs. Um but in a bad market, that's when the, you know, it's the fear tactic. Buy gold because even if that sucker goes down 50%, daggone, you're going to hold it in your hand. That, that's yeah, that's the idea. And, and it's heavy, yeah. yeah it's heavy. Um, and so I'm not knocking gold per se. Um, it can have a place in it. There's one fund company that's had physical gold in their funds since inception, and it's, it's served a purpose. Um, but people that buy it, essentially they're speculating, but they don't know they're speculating. They're, they think they're doing it for safety, but they're actually speculating. They are they're, speculating because it's a, it's a, if you really get a, what gold is, it's, it's, it's a useless metal. I mean, it, yeah. it's, well, you can use it in, in, in uh, jewelry and, and, but that, I don't think it's useless at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you did. But the point is for all practical purposes, purposes, it doesn't have a, a much of a use. Mm-hmm. And if you really get in a situation where you the, the currency systems of, of the world have all failed, I don't know that gold's really going to help you a whole lot. You need yeah, canned good food, water, trying to buy canned food and with guns it, and ammo. They'll just cut your head off and take the that's gold. Right. Yeah, that's right. I actually I'm going to throw this a, gold bar at you and hope I hit you. Yeah. A, a radio commercial that Ron Paul did to buy gold. 
His father. Well, yeah, they, they, he's been doing them for years. I, I'd, I'd never heard one. Oh, so, he's a he's a he's as much of a mercenary as they as there is. He's a big but gold advocate. Where they get it wrong is he's a big gold powder. Okay. He may not own any gold yeah. himself. He just somebody's pay, paying he, him to yeah, like that's it. That's right. But Mike had, had pointed out that there's a fund that owns physical gold. They don't own all physical gold. That's all they hold. They own a portion of it, yep. and they keep it as a small portion as a hedge. And that makes sense. And that that isn't something that people are going to be uh, have a problem with or is going to cause them to speculate. Really, it's when people put half their net worth in gold or silver or whatever a, a precious metal uh, that's when you start having problems because you are speculating even if you're speculating well, in stocks at that point I mean, typically uh, behind that kind of behavior is a profound negative view on life and civilization as it exists it's like that old guy who came in here, i don't think i'd ever be able to shoot at him you know remember that guy <laughs> yeah yeah and and, and they have this notion that everything's come. So you're going to, on the on the channels that advertise for gold, you're all going to hear these prepper food companies on there saying, you know, get this food thing for only $1,500. It's enough food to feed, feed your family for, you know, three months or whatever. It lasts for 20 years. You yeah. can store it in your and bunker. You can store it for 20 years, and it'll be just as delicious that when you open it up in 15 years than it was when we put it in. I do. You, I don't know if I want something that's just hermetically sealed. That's you know that that way. But anyway, the the thing is, there's this thought process. I remember one guy. He kept calling me. He could not get it off his mind buying Iraqi dinars. He was convinced that the Iraqi dinar was going to be replaced by the U.S. dollar and the dinars were trading for like a fraction of a penny apiece, like maybe a fifth of a penny apiece, and that every one of those dinars was going to become a U.S. dollar. So, you know, you could buy like $40 million, $40 million of them for, you know, ten grand or something, and he was all over that. This has got to work. This is going to have to work. And so when, when that happens... You know, you're dealing with irrational behavior, and that's kind of the enemy of investment success. All right, that's a wrap for our financial hour. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always go to dupreefinancial.com. If you'd like to come see us, we'd love to take a look at your portfolio. You can schedule at dupreefinancial.com on our homepage or... Give us a call, 859-233-0400. We appreciate you listening to the Financial Hour.